are so thankful for uh, our heritage in the, in the things God has brought us up in. I want to briefly mention that, and then we're going to get into the Word. Pastor Debbie and I met at Rama Bible Training Center at Kenneth Hagin Ministries uh, back a number of years ago. In 1980, we graduated there from 1987. We went to, in 85 and came through 87, graduated. And uh, we started ministering there as they opened up an opportunity for us at the healing school at Kenneth Hagin Ministries, which was a tremendous honor. And as we uh, were involved there, we began to learn much about ministry, and we began to see many, many things. We began to see uh, many, many healings, really. This is a church that believes in divine healing of the physical body. God is not just... Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's not just the Savior of our, our lives from sin, but He's the healer of our bodies. And so we, we are standing uh, and have seen many, many miracles. Probably everybody that's here from uh, you know, Cedar Rapids this morning probably has some sort of testimony they could tell you how God's ministered to them. And so that heritage is one that we have not strayed from. We, we stand for the, the truths we, we learned in the Word of God, and uh, this spirit, the, the church is a spirit-filled church, preaching the message of faith, the, the Word of faith, and uh, the in-Christ realities. Uh, we preach uh, divine healing, like we say. We have a strong emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fact, the, the Lord gave me another assignment back a number of years ago. He said to the church in Cedar Rapids, He said, I want you to begin to train this congregation further in the things of the Spirit. And that just simply means the, the move of the Holy Spirit and the way He moves. And so we've begun to see many, many things. We believe in, in uh, like we said, living, uh, uh, walking in the light of the, the message of faith. We believe uh, really in the authority of the believer, which Jesus said we had according to things He taught and things the Bible says. And we, we emphasize much on the, the being led by the Holy Spirit, uh, which is something found all through the New Testament, which is uh, a, a strong Bible truth. We're not just, uh, as believers, down here all by ourselves, just trying to figure things out. We've got a comforter living on the inside. My comforter, my counselor, my advocate, my intercessor. I, I wouldn't be able to do hardly get out of bed in the morning if it wasn't for the help of the Holy Spirit. I, I depend on Him. I need Him. And so we, we believe much in the Holy Spirit, and we talk and teach much about it, being led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, we believe we're in the end times, and that those end times are a time of gathering in of the harvest, a uh, great, great harvest before Jesus comes, a great harvest of people into the kingdom of God. And, uh, but, but really, we believe in, while we're doing that, we believe in having victory in our own lives. Victory over the enemy, victory over tormenting thoughts, victory over oppression, victory over things that try to divide our marriages and, uh, and uh, just strife in our homes. We believe in learning to walk in love and that love never fails. It never fails. And, uh, and uh, we have a real strong emphasis on, uh, and because I think because of the background, what God brought me out of, a strong emphasis on renewing the mind. And uh, because I was, when I came into, when I got saved, I was very tormented mentally and emotionally. In fact, I could tell you, I think maybe we did in some of the Connect with the Vision services, I could tell you about how my, my mind was so tormented, it was like somebody had a vice on my head. Physically, I had headaches all the time. It was just a tormented, I was a tormented young man. And, uh, but God set me free from all that, learning to con take control of my thought life and renew my mind. And so we have a strong emphasis on victory in our minds and our thought lives. There's, uh, Jesus said, peace, I leave with you, like I said earlier. And uh, the, all of that and much more, we couldn't get into all of it, but uh, all of that, we, the vision we have is for all of that to be ministered to God's people in the framework of a local church. Um, the local church, we, God gave me a tremendous amount of revelation, I just give Him the glory for it, about the local church and God's plan for believers in the local church. And uh, because, remember the Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. 
And uh, the Bible talks about the household of faith. Uh, it talks about whenever Peter and John got in trouble in Acts 4, they went to what he called their own company. That's a group of believers where they gathered together regularly and, and worshiped God together and, uh, and uh, taught the word and prayed together, fellowship together, encouraged one another and so forth and so on. And uh, I really want to at some point get into that a little more and preach and teach a little bit more on that uh, to, to establish a good understanding of that here in Lee's Summit. But uh, this morning I was led to go a different direction. But I, do, I did want to just mention that, that that's, that's the, God's plan for the believer is that they be in a fellowship of believers, somebody that, that can encourage them and, and uh, strengthen them in faith. Uh, it's important who you hang out with. Uh, evil communications corrupt good manners. You ever read that? That's just another way of saying who you hang out with, gonna, who you hang out with is going to affect you. <laughs> good or bad, and I want to hang out with people that are going to encourage me and uh, strengthen me and, and, and help build my faith and so forth and so on, so that's all within the framework of a local church, but I, I just want to go, uh, uh, just share the word on something that God put in my heart uh, yesterday, and uh, to do that, I'd like to go to the book of Psalms, chapter number 77, Psalms chapter number 77. Psalm chapter number 77, and I particularly am going to read this out of the Amplified Version. I trust you brought your Bible this morning. Did you bring your Bible? Hold it up. Let me see. You, got, you brought your Bible, or there's some holding up their, pa their pads, and that's good. That's the Bible. <laughs> but uh, say this out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I'm about to receive the indestructible, ever-living seed of God's Word. My mind is alert, my body is awake, and my spirit is receptive. I will never be the same after the word I hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Why? Because we're not just hearers, we're doers of the Word. The Bible tells us not just to be hearers, but doers. But um, I want to just, this just came up in my heart yesterday, and I didn't realize God wanted me to go this way, but boy, whenever I got into it, I was glad He did want me to. I'm going to offer this to you from the Word of God. If you don't want it, hand it back, because I'll, I'll take a double portion of this this morning. <laughs> but Psalm 77, verses 19 through 20. Now, like I said, I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Amplified classic, I should say. Two, two different amplifiers. This is the classic. He said, your way in delivering your people was through the sea and your paths through the great waters. Yet your footsteps were not traceable, but were obliterated. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, you can read that, and it just sounds like, well, I have no idea what that's talking about, and it could be kind of maybe not clear to you. But let me, get, let me talk to you about what this really is all about here, and uh, we'll get into this a little bit here this morning. This is talking about the children of Israel when God brought them out of Egyptian bondage. Egypt in the Bible is a type of the world. Uh, them coming through the Red Sea is a type of being born again and, uh, and so forth. And, and uh, then they were led by that cloud to, the, to Canaan's land. You remember that? They actually, the first generation didn't go in, but they had to go through the Red Sea. And when they came out, this is the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt and they came up to the edge of the Red Sea. Uh, and Egypt changed their mind, if you remember. And they came after them. They decided they wanted them back into bondage. So they changed their mind and they came up. God led them. There was a cloud that led them, uh, a visible cloud, by cloud by day and fire by night, that led them out of, you know, delivered them out of uh, Egypt and led them right up to the edge of the Red Sea. Well, when, when if you study some other scriptures here, there was, there was mountains on both sides of where they came up to the Red Sea and then the Red Sea in front of them and Egypt came after them and trapped them in from behind, you know, wanting to take them back into bondage. And if you remember the story, the cloud moved from in front of them to behind Israel and it stood between Israel and Egypt all that night. 
That's, that's God's protection over his people. And so uh, that cloud, that, that, uh, it looked like God led them into a trap. Um, and it, because they're up against the Red Sea, there's no way to get across the Red Sea. At least in their mind, there wasn't. And there's no way to get across the mountains on both sides. And e- 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 Egypt's behind them. Pharaoh's behind them. But God led them into that. Now, how many of you know, if you could bring this through the New Testament, that cloud they saw visibly outside, which it's, it can still appear today. I've seen it, actually. But that cloud literally has moved on the inside of us. Moved on, And today we're led internally by the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That cloud's moved inside of us and guides us by what the book of Romans calls the inner witness. And uh, that cloud will lead us, and sometimes it'll look like God's leading us into a situation that there's no way out of. And there's no, there's no, there's no, we, we don't have the ability to, to do what God wants us to do. Uh, but I want you to know here what this verse is talking about is, if you read this verse again in the light of the, the context we just referred to, you delivered your, your way of delivering your people was through the sea. And your paths through the great waters, yet your footsteps were not traceable, but were obliterated. I want you to see that he said that God had already walked through that Red Sea, according to this verse, and he had made a way for them before they even got there and had the need. And that's what I want you to under that's what I want to talk to you about this morning about your heavenly father the one who goes before you and provides your every need. God had walked through, according to this verse, He had walked through the Red Sea and had prepared a way of deliverance through the Red Sea. Now, that verse has always blessed me, but I saw something that, uh, and they they now have uh, found this crossing, you know, archaeologists, how do you say that, archaeologists, have found the crossing of the Red Sea. Now they know where it is. They actually found a pillar on the other side where I guess they said Solomon put it up in his day that actually has an inscription on there about the Red Sea crossing right there. So they now know where that is. So they started doing some of the uh, sonar things, you know, studying, looking down there, and they've actually found some artifacts. But the point is not the artifact. The point is that they, they through the sonar scans or whatever that term is that, you know, they use, that, that's, that, that, you know, they plumb the depths. They found out that on both sides of where Israel crossed, the mountains, like I said, were there, and the mountains went pretty steeply down into the sea, and it went real steeply when it got to the water. It continued steeply down into the sea, so you couldn't have crossed there. But where Israel crossed, there was a natural land bridge from from one side to the other, there was a gentle, gentle slope that, that is very you know, passable, somebody could walk on it, that goes gently down in and then gently up on the other side. And where, the reason for the natural land bridge is because for uh, really probably, who knows how long, probably millenniums, uh, uh, there had been an ancient river that had flowed down through those mountains right there and had for, for however long had just brought silt and rocks and stuff and had deposited across that, under the water, of course, you couldn't see it, but across that uh, seabed had deposited a lot of things and provided a natural land bridge. So God knew exactly that that's where they could cross, and He brought them to the place that He had been preparing for them from who knows how long. (laughs) He was ahead of their need knew what their need was going to be way before they even knew they were going to have a need, and he prepared a way of escape. This is so much the character and nature of your heavenly Father that he made it one of his names. His name is, one of his names from the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh. And if you look up what the word Jehovah Jireh means you'll find that it means the God, people say it's it's the God who supplies, but it literally literally means the God who sees and provides. Sees what? Sees the need and provides. Now, I'm not just talking about financial need. I'm talking about, as we go through here, you'll see all all of our needs in this life. 
wisdom, guidance, direction, everything we need. And so I would like to get into this because I believe as believers, we need to get to know this aspect of our Father. Just like any natural parents, when they know they're getting ready to have a baby, they will prepare a room, put a crib in there, get everything ready, even, you know, get the diapers ready, get everything. They, they get it all ready because there's a baby coming. Where did they get that? They got that from their father, God. They got that from God. Amen. God is a, is a God who sees ahead, looks ahead, and provides. You might say, I really, need a, I really need a wife or I need a husband. He's got somebody for you. He's got somebody for you. He's got a plan. He's got somebody. And, uh, and I believe everything we need, every, every, everything that, that in this life that we come up to where we have some sort of need, God has already been there and supplied it. He, he's so much that way that he made it one of his names. Isn't that good? And so the living Bible of this passage here in Psalm 77, 19 says, Your road led by, uh, led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting thing? God will lead you sometimes, just like this cloud was God leading them. God will lead you sometimes up to the edge of some impossible situations. But the reason he's leading you up to the edge of some of those things sometimes is because he has a supply for that need that you might not even be able to see. That's, that's our Heavenly Father. That's how good he really is. And so there was a, the, the name Jehovah Jireh came from the Old Testament when Abraham was uh, asked by God to go offer his son Isaac on the, on the mountain. And of course, God didn't want him to do that. He wanted to see if he was willing to do that. And so he was willing to do that and got to the point of doing it, but God stopped him and said, no, now I know you'll obey me, and so forth and so on. And then he said, turn around, and there was a ram in the thicket. Remember that? And that's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our substitute. We were going to have to die because of our sin, and, uh, and God provided a substitute. God saw, let's say it this way, God saw the need before we even knew we had the need, before we were even a twinkle in our mother's eye. God knew that we were going to sin and come short of the glory of God, and He provided a Savior, and notice what the Bible calls Him, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world means before man was even here. In the mind of God, Jesus was prepared as the lamb for our, for our substitution, for, you know, to take our place, to die for our sins. He prepared him before we even, before Adam was even here and even sinned. He knew we had a need. That's our God. That's our Father. He sees what we need and provides. You know what Jesus said he's doing? He said whenever John there talks about, he said, I'm going to go. And if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's up there preparing. We're not in heaven yet, but he's already up there preparing for us to be there. He said, if I go away, I'll, I'll, I'll prepare a place for you. He's ahead of our every need. That's just our Father. That's just the nature of God. And I believe we need to get that understanding of our Heavenly Father because um, there's a lot of things sometimes, uh, if, if we can get this working revelation of God as our Father and this attribute of His character, it'll perfect us in faith. When you have a need and you pray and you believe God for that need to be met, that's not when God goes to working for your, in your situation. He saw that need before you even knew that need was going to come up. So your faith is not, it doesn't cause God to go to working on something. Your faith is, is it, when you release your faith, it helps you to see where God has already provided. It's a, that, that change in my thinking has helped me a whole lot in walking by faith. And so that's just the nature of God. Now, um, I like to think of this as uh, because there's, there's really... 
a lot of different ways we could go with this. But really, I like to think of this as divine setups. <laughs> this is a big part of walking in the blessing that, that the Bible says He's blessed us, remember Ephesians, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But he has done that in Christ, but he, we need to learn, like the Israelites, to follow the leading of God into these divine setups. Yeah. Now go to Ephesians chapter number uh, 2. Go to Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter number 2. And notice what it says here in... I'm not, once again, I'm going to read the Amplified. And this is Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 10. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 10. It says, we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. Turn to your neighbor and say, boy, you sure are a good piece of handiwork. <laughs> you know, a handiwork, a piece of handiwork is, is like a, uh, somebody who can finish off the details of something. If you're building a house, you know, and the... And the guys that come in and do the finished carpentry and put in the corners and real, they're real handy. They can cut the joints real clean, you know, and everything. It's handiwork. And that's, that's what we are. We're a work of art. <laughs> not, not in ourselves, but the new creation in Christ. We are, we are no, no piece of junk, you know. We're, we're, in God's eyes, we're a piece of handiwork. That's the way he sees us. And so, but notice here, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. You are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Now, he's talking about the new birth, obviously. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. Notice that. Planned beforehand for us to take, for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. Look at that. God has prepared paths for you and I to take ahead of time. Prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Here's, the, here's what happens when we do that. Living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Living the good life. Where's the good life? In taking the paths that He's prepared for us. This is why some people struggle in faith is they're trying to use their faith while they're doing their own plan rather than use their faith to, to walk in the plan that He's prepared for their lives. And, uh, you know, faith just works a whole lot better. Faith to receive all that God has for you, I'm talking about, works a whole lot better when you follow His plan for your life. I, I had made, <laughs> as a teenager, I had made plans for my life. You know how much of those plans I'm doing today? None of them. <laughs> and I'm glad about it. Because, listen, <laughs> I could, anyway, I won't get into it all, but, but it just has worked out a whole lot better walking in His plan than my plan was doing. My plan wasn't working. You know, probably all of us could give, uh, to, could tell about, you know, following our own plan and how it didn't work out. We didn't have a testimony, we had a moaning. You know, it was, it was just a, a, a complaint, a groan of how it was working out for us. But I'm telling you, when you get the plan of God and you find that plan and you stay close to that plan, you walk in that plan, there's where the good life is. That's the best life you can live. That's your best life. So taking paths which He has prepared ahead of time. Notice, living the good life. So not only has God prepared uh, a good life for us, but He's prepared the paths for us to take to get into that. Can you see that? Um, and so He's really, uh, when He's telling us what His plan is for our life, He has something good for us there in that, in that plan. I know uh, a number of years ago, I was thinking about this. Um, I was thinking about... Um, how that God led me to, to uh, Bible school and led me to my wife and led me into people's, uh, into contact with people who could teach me the Word of God because I didn't know anything about the Word of God. The group I grew up in, they didn't hardly understand much and they couldn't teach me much. And so because of the, the leading of God and the people He brought into my life, 
and really divine connections of people who could begin to sow the seed of the Word of God into my life. My life has come into a, a place to where it's just, it's just, I'll be honest with you, it's days of heaven on earth. I'm talking about peace in my mind. I'm talking about understanding spiritual things. Whenever I'm under attack of the enemy, I'm not confused about what it is. I understand who it is. I know how to take authority over that. And uh, I know how to be a doer of what the Word says and to live the good life. And so God's, God's plan is that we all, uh, we, like in Ephesians 4.16, you might have ever read that verse. It talks about uh, there in Ephesians 4.16, uh, from Jesus, the head, the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. I want you to hear that term, joint supplies. Maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. That's Ephesians 4.16. Try not to go too fast here, but um, uh, that verse is talking about the body of Christ being joined together. That God brought people and it continues to bring people into my life that have been able to teach me the Word of God. And those people became Jesus to me, really. Not, they're not Jesus, you understand, but they, they, they became like that. They're like, they're like Him helping me. Him speaking into my life and bringing me forward spiritually and taking those paths whenever those people would come and recognizing those people, taking those paths have taught me what I needed to know, have brought peace to my mind, like I said earlier, when I had so much torment in my mind, and it's just transformed my life from glory to glory unto where, like the Old Testament says, it's just a, it's just a good life. I'm not minimizing, because we all go through hardships. The enemy comes. The enemy opposes us. But whenever you're in a place where you know what it is, and you're not confused about it, and you know how to deal with it, then you're no longer struggling. You're, you're able to rest in the middle of it and, and stay in the victory. So, um, but anyway, this life that God has for us um, is, is, just, is just so... It's, it's prepared for us. It's a prepared life. Believers, um, you know, the world, I guess, let me back up and say the world. The world just sort of makes plans and asks, maybe if they even pray. A lot of the world doesn't even pray, but they'll just ask God to bless it or if they even pray or anything. They just make their own plans and just hope it works out. For believers, we can seek God for His plan. And then as we follow that plan, uh, the blessing's automatically already on it. Because that path that he asks us to take or leads us to take has already been prepared with good things. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 is actually saying that. And so when he leads us, now we have to learn how to, how to follow the Holy Spirit because people are sometimes thinking that God leads one way whenever actually he doesn't. He leads a different way. Sometimes people just say that open and closed doors are God leading them. Well... God led Israel up to the edge of the Red Sea. That surely wasn't an open door. <laughs> I mean, at first, it, it wasn't open. But what did God tell Moses to do? Stretch out your rod. That's a type of the authority of the believer. And when he did, the Red Sea opened up, and a way was, that had been there the whole time was revealed, and they could walk through the, the door that did then open, but it wasn't open when they walked up there. Does that make any sense? We're not led by, when I say this, you have to hear what I say. We're not led by open and closed doors in the natural realm. We're led by the inner witness. We're led internally. We're not led by external circumstances. As many as are led. Romans 4, verse number 14, excuse me, Romans 8, verse number 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then it said, his spirit, verse 16, bears witness with our spirits. I've had the Lord bear witness with my spirit. That's not my head. That's my spirit down in the inner core of my being. That part of my being, I've had the Lord lead me up to, to the edge of things that there was no way to get into it. Just like, But see, that's, that's like God leading Israel up to the edge of the Red Sea. And I stood there and said, in the name of Jesus... I'm believing God to get through this or get to the other side of this. And as I stood there, it opened up and God's way started to be revealed. And we've seen some marvelous miracles. 
Sometimes people say, well, I just, I'm just led by open doors. And I tell them, well, the, op- the door's open to your local tavern all the time. That doesn't, that doesn't mean it's God's will for you to go in there. So we, we must be learned to be led. And so that's what Israel did. They were led up in, they were led to supply that was there and had been prepared, but they didn't see it. They couldn't see it. Can you see that? So we need to learn how to do this because this, this supply, God will lead us the direction He leads us because that's where He has prepared the supply. Um, and so God is just this way. He sees ahead, like in Genesis, He's Jehovah Jireh. He sees ahead and supplies. And so uh, he, God is a father, and that's why He is this way. He, he prepares for His children. We're not just His servants, though we serve God, but we're not just His servants, we're His children. And good parents prepare for their children. And so I want you to know Him in this way better today. Do you believe God with me to know Him better this way? And so uh, God, He really was, He's so much this way that He calls Himself the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. No wonder He says, because He's this way, He said, I will... Before you call, I will answer. You ever read that verse in the Bible? Before you call, I will answer. And so uh, let's just think about some stories in the Bible. Because here's a situation believers get into sometimes. They say, Pastor, though, but you don't understand. I've messed up in my life. Well, let me tell you a story that you know very well in the Old Testament about Jonah. Remember Jonah? He, God called to him and spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent because judgment is coming. And he said, uh, which way is Nineveh? And God said, that direction. He said, okay, I'm getting on a boat going the other direction. <laughs> he, he didn't want to do it. I know all of us in this room have instantly always obeyed God, but Jonah, you know, he, we can talk about Jonah today. You know, he didn't. <laughs> so he he decided he was going to go a different direction. And you remember he got on a boat going a different direction, to a different place, and remember that storm came up. We, we learned this in Sunday school, right? And whenever it did, everybody's praying because people on there are serving all different gods, and they're praying to their gods, and nothing's happening. And finally, Jonah comes forward. He said, it's me. I'm in disobedience. You know, the Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. You ever read that? And um, so he said, it's me. God didn't bring that storm. Disobedience brought that storm. So he said, um, you know, throw me overboard and uh, it'll, it'll, (laughs) and they probably looked at each other at first, throw you overboard. I don't think we want to do that, but I guess in order for us to live, you've got to be thrown overboard. (laughs) So they threw him overboard and you read the story. Notice how it says it. It says very carefully, you read that story. It says that God prepared a great fish. Here's a guy in disobedience. And God made a way out of disobedience. He made a way. God was ahead of that man's disobedience before he <laughs> before he got on the boat to go a different direction. God spoke to a fish and said, "Hey you over here, I need you." Now, sometimes people say, I don't believe in all those Old Testament miracles. Jesus quoted that and said it actually happened. So to doubt, to doubt that is to doubt Jesus. Amen. But so anyway, so when they threw Jonah overboard, that fish was right there ready to swallow him up. Can you imagine the smell? But he swallowed him up and went over to the seashore, spit him out, and said, now think about it. <laughs> Actually, I made that part up, but you know, but I'm sure he, I'm sure he, he landed on the shore and started thinking about. I don't think it pays to disobey God. <laughs> and so, uh, but even in a man's disobedience, God, see, it's it wasn't God's will that he disobey, but even in a man's disobedience, God knew he was going to disobey and prepared a way out of that. Prepared a way out of that. So when I say, you know, people say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I have really messed up. Well, sometimes I say, welcome to the human race. I'm not minimizing doing wrong and, and trying to make 
make light of it, but my point is we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there is a way out. There is, there is a, a way of escape that God from the foundation of the world saw you were going to need and he made a way out. Isn't that good? And anything you lost because of disobedience, God, by taking the paths that he has prepared ahead of time, can restore everything back to you to where your life doesn't have any trace. You don't smell like fish anymore. <laughs> your life can be so restored. That's how good God is. But think about that. Even in a way, even in a place of disobedience, God had that fish ready. Isn't that good? And so you see these kinds of stories all through the, the New Testament. Like, for example, um, the, the Red Sea is one. But then how about this? How about the story of, you can see this in Jesus' ministry and, and his life over and over and over again. Um, when he needed tax money, for example, Remember the miracle? God told, or Jesus told uh, Peter, go, go put a hook in the, you know, go, go fish it. <laughs> and the first, the first fish that comes up, he'll have a coin in his mouth. And so go pay my taxes and yours. God saw his need ahead of time and had already prepared that need. Jesus needed a donkey to ride into Jerusalem to fulfill prophecy. Isn't that right? And God showed Jesus exactly where that donkey was and told the, told the disciples, go over to such and such a place where two ways meet and there'll be a donkey tied up there and so forth and so on. Sure enough, they go over there and the need's met. You see, when Jesus was born, um, the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's, very, that's, that's worth a lot of money. But it wasn't too long before Jesus needed to be kind of gotten away from the king who wanted to destroy Jesus because he heard he was going to be a king. And he, remember, he killed all the babies. That's demonic, by the way. Abortion. Abortion is demonic. Amen. But anyway, so that's the way, that's the way that king did. He was killing all the babies, trying to get to Jesus. And uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to uh, Joseph and said, Take Jesus, take, take Mary and Jesus, and go over to, into Egypt for two years. Remember that? And so that gold, frankincense, and myrrh furnished and supplied a two-year trip to protect Jesus' life. But the gold, frankincense, and myrrh showed up before Jesus even needed the money. Or Mary and Joseph even needed the money. It's amazing when you start thinking about it. All through Jesus' life, it was that way. Go over to uh, John's Gospel, the 12th chapter. John's Gospel, the 12th chapter. I like this passage. It's helped me a lot. John's Gospel, chapter number 12, and verse number 7. This is uh, in the Amplified again. This, I don't know if you've read the Amplified much, but uh, we often use it in our services. So um, sometimes if you have a Bible, Bible program that has these other, other versions, it might be good to bring it. But John 12, verse number 7, look at the Amplified here. This is the story of the woman that broke the alabaster box on Jesus. Remember that? And um, she did this, and it was worth, I think if I remember right, don't quote me, but if I remember right, it was pretty expensive, like a year's worth of wages. And when she did that, Judas really kind of spit out his false teeth. I mean, he's like, <laughs> he, he, he couldn't quite handle that. And he said, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? And uh, the Bible said, I like what it says here in verse 6. He didn't say that because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, he had the bag, and he was pilf basically pilfering out of it. And so I like the Bible because it just tells the truth. Don't you like that? But Jesus said, look at verse number 7, let her alone. It was intended that she should keep it. Look at this. For she, she kept it uh, for the time of the, my preparation for burial. This is the Amplified. She had kept, has kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. Why did she keep that? That was probably, we don't know much about her, her, her life or whether she needed this because this is very expensive perfume. 
But I'm sure, like, like many of us, she could have used that money and helped pay some bills or something, you know. We don't know how she got a hold of it or where it came from. But she, notice how that statement is made. It was intended that she should keep it. For the time of my preparation, she has kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. In other words, God prompted her to hold on to that in order to anoint Jesus for his burial. Isn't that interesting? So here's once again God providing for Jesus, providing his need for, for his embalming. We see this, and, and you can think of other things. Like, for example, whenever Jesus was in the garden being tempted to, you know, to, to not go through with the crucifixion. He, remember, he was saying, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He's being tempted. And the Bible says his body was under such stress, uh, the, the, the pressure of the enemy, trying to get him to yield to that temptation, was so strong that his body was under such stress that it was sweating like, out of his sweat pores was coming blood. You remember that? Aren't you glad he didn't give in to that because we're redeemed today because he said yes to the plan and didn't yield to the temptation. So he's... he's his body, I don't know how much stress is required to come onto a man to where blood starts coming out, but that's a high level of stress. His body wasn't able to handle it. So what, did, what happened? An angel came and ministered to him. What's that? God taking care of his every need. God taking care of his every need. And you could look at all this and see all this and how God cared for Jesus and think, well, God sure loved Jesus. And he did, of course. But you ever read John 17 where Jesus prayed, Father? He said, show them that you love them. Talking about you and I. That you love them just like and as much as you love me. Say that out loud. God loves me just as much as Jesus. Well, he has to because we're in him. <laughs> we're joined together and became one with him. He's the head, but we're a member of the body. I didn't walk in this morning whenever my wife woke up and walked into the bathroom. I didn't say, I sure love you, honey. I love your head, but not anything else. I know that sounds funny, but see, Jesus is the head. We're the body. God loves the body just as much as the head. God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. And so he has prepared for your life to care for your life just just as much as Jesus' life. We, we're people that are, we should be, by following God, running into divine setups all the time. The world says in a negative way, if it's not one thing, it's another. Christians ought to be saying in the positive, in the blessings of God, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not favor on the job, if it's not something over here, if it's not, you know, God healing my child whenever I call on his name, there's, it, there's just blessing after blessing after blessing. That's the life God intends for us to have. Now, will Satan just roll over and let that happen automatically? No, but we learn how to keep the door closed to Satan and not give him any place so that he can't do as much as he used to do. He's not doing as much in my life as he used to. He's trying. But he's not successful like he used as much. Amen. Anybody getting anything out of this? This is the blessed life. This is the life. I don't, I don't mean to imply here that living, learning to live this way or learning to walk with him as Jehovah Jireh, that, that means that Satan will never come and oppose your life. He'll never send anything at test or trials. We're not preaching that faith means you don't have any test or trials. We're preaching that faith means God will always show you there's a way out. There's a way out. I've had many, many things come against my life, but as I've stayed in the plan of God and, and sought Him in prayer, He's always shown me the way out. And it's as if to the enemy, I'm not a pig, you understand, but it's as if to the enemy, I'm a slippery pig. You ever been to the fair? You ever seen the little kids have the competition where they grease up a pig, you know, and the little kids get in there and try to catch the pig. 
It's slippery. They, got, they, they put lard. I don't know what they put on that pig, but it, he's, got, he's all oiled down. And you can't hardly get a hold of him. That's, that, that's fun. If you don't know what fun is, go to the fair and watch kids try to do that. But, but, to, but to the devil, I'm like that. I'm a slippery pig. I'm not a pig, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, he comes and he sets traps, but God makes a way of escape. There's always a way of escape. Hallelujah. We have a cared for life. No wonder he said, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you, cares for us. So there's somebody caring for you, somebody watching over your life. Just like Jesus' life was cared for from the beginning to the end, our life is cared for from the beginning to the end. Do you believe that? Do you believe God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? That's what Jesus prayed, that we would get, get a hold of that. And so uh, we have to get this working knowledge uh, of, of how, how this is set up for us. Um, if you get a hold of this, when something comes up, you don't stress out. You're like, okay, there, God, God knew this was coming. And he's already, he's already worked the plan here. <clears throat> Your prayer life <clears throat> changes from trying to get God to do something to realizing that he's already done something and it's like, okay, where is it? I know it's here somewhere. There's a way out of this. Does that make sense? Because he's already been ahead of us. We as a church um, <clears throat> preach and teach, you know, the, the, the part of the Bible where it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And if you read anything about speaking in other tongues, you know the great value of it. And um, sometimes people say, well, what's the value of that? Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> how many scriptures do you want to go to and look at? Because people say, well, that's not necessary for me. Well, if you really knew the value of it, you would, you would think it's, you would know it's necessary. And sometimes people say, well, that's not my gifting. Well, uh, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues is for everybody. And uh, if, if you knew all the value of it, and we don't have time to get into it this morning, but you would say, okay, now I can see the value of it. And why would God give something that has that kind of value to one of his children, but not to another one of his children? And we've got, we've got whole series on that. I think they're on the vault. Some of you know what the gem, gem vault is, J-E-M vault. It's on our website. It's free teachings on many, many subjects. We've got a whole bunch of teachings on that. And, but one of the values is on 1 Corinthians 14, 2. This says, when we speak in an unknown tongue, we speak mysteries. Now, what is a mystery? It is being able, well, let, let's back up. A mystery, we understand it in, you know, like a mystery movie or something. It's like, okay, who did it? You know, or, or there, there's something about the movie that nobody's quite sure why it happened or who did it or, you know, that's what a mystery is, right? And there's things about our life sometimes that can be a mystery. Which direction do I go? You know, uh, what, what's, what's God's plan for my life? Uh, how did I get myself into this mess? What's the way out of this mess, Right? Uh, I just got fired, or maybe not fired, but laid off from my job. Uh, where am I going to get the money? Things, there's just a lot of things that are natural minds beyond, you know, without the Holy Spirit, we don't know. But what God is saying in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, is when we pray in tongues, we speak mysteries. He's saying we can pray these things out that we don't know how to pray for or don't even know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit will give us utterance, and, and Romans 8 says when we pray in tongues, we're praying the will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Praying in tongues, we're praying the will of God. So when we pray in tongues, we're praying the will of God that maybe we don't even understand how to, what is the will of God. Okay, what's my next job? Where do I go? I mean, here I got, ran into this situation, what, what, which, which direction do I go? I got a fork in the road. I could go this way. I could go that way. Which, which choice do I make? You and I can pray in tongues and pray that mystery out. What I've learned about praying out mysteries is once you pray it out, then revelation comes. 
mysteries prayed out bring revelation. You know why Pastor Debbie and I are here this morning conducting this service? Because of praying and worshiping God after a, after a meeting that I was preaching in the hotel room, just worshiping God, and I was thanking Him for His plan, and I was thanking Him and praying in the Spirit about further, further things that were, were His plan uh, that we had stirring in our hearts. And he spoke to me so clearly in that time of prayer. There's a further, I was, I was here in Kansas City, Metroplex, praying. And he said, there's a, I heard it down on the inside. Not out here. You know, God can talk out here, but so can Satan. The Bible says he's an imitator of God. Um, so we, we don't want to be seeking for voices out here, but just down on the inside of me. Down on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit spoke these words. There's a further plan for your ministry here in Kansas City. Instantly, I knew what it was. It was a local church. I knew it like I knew my name, the inner witness, the inner knowing. That's why we're here. Amen. God saw need here in Kansas City for the preaching of this message, and he made a supply. Opportunity for anybody that wants to hear the word of faith preached, to hear the word of God preached. Amen. So God's just that way. He's a good God, and he's, he's got our life, you know, he's got good things in store for us. Remember what he said? I know the plans I have for you, plans to do you good and not of evil. Did you get anything out of the Word this morning? I, I could tell you so many stories. I, let me just tell you a couple of stories, and we'll wrap this up. Um, there was a, my pastor, Pastor Nancy Dufresne, uh, her husband went to heaven a number of years ago. He he, he, both of them spoke into our life. Now Pastor Nancy speaks into our life. But um, she was, uh, pray, they were, God was uh, dealing with them. They were living in Tulsa and they were, God was dealing with them to move to California and get in position for this last great revival in the end times. And so they were praying about that. And she kept getting unction to pray in the spirit. And she said, Lord, what am I praying about? And he said, you're praying about the, the house you're going to live in. And so they got out there and, and uh, got settled in just to a temporary, you know, uh, facility. Uh, I mean, you know, home. And so they were, uh, you know, starting the church and doing what they were called to do out there. And uh, one morning, Dr. Ed Dufresne walked into a grocery store uh, to get something or a convenience store or whatever it was. And he walked past, you know how they got the real estate magazines there sometimes. You can find a house if you just moved into the city. So, uh, but he picked it up and he looked at it. And on the front page was a picture of a house. They were featuring it on the front page. And when he looked at it, he had a witness in his spirit. God spoke to him and said, that's your house. He said, oh, okay. So he, he went and called and set up an appointment with the realtor. And the realtor took him through it, he and, he and Pastor Nancy. And they went through it. And uh, the only problem was they didn't have any money to, to buy the house. <laughs> what do you do when God says something's yours and you don't have any money to do it? Well, you just start taking, taking steps for it, towards it. And so they, uh, they said, well, um, Dr. Ed Dufresne said, well, he said, I, I don't have the money for it, but, but how can we get into this? And uh, he said, well, he said, let me talk to the people that own it, you know, and see what, they, what offers they would make you and so forth. Maybe they can lease the, lease the buyer or something, you know, set up something. And so they were, um, they, get, they gave them their name. And he said, the, the realtor said that the, uh, the lady that owns it is having her two sons sort of do all the business for her, for her, uh, you know, all of her business. And so we'll have to talk to the two sons, and then they'll talk to her, their mom. So the word eventually got to mom, and said they they said, "Mom, there's a preacher here. He's got. Uh, he said that he wants to move into this house you have for sale, uh, but he said he doesn't have any money." And um, she said, "Well, what's the preacher's name?" And he said, "Their son said Ed Dufresne." And she said, Ed Dufresne, Ed Dufresne, the Ed Dufresne, yeah. And she said, well, uh, Ed Dufresne, I was in one of his meetings 15 years ago and was healed of a terminal disease. She says, whatever you got to do to get him in that house, get him in that house. And they moved into that house. <laughs> What's that? That's God who goes ahead and provides. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's your father. A number of years ago, I'll tell you this last story. How many of you like stories? A number of years ago, we were um, 
when we first got to Cedar Rapids to start pastoring there, this is probably 2003, something like that. We moved there in 2002, but about 2003, we, we noticed we needed another building, and so we found a place. God led us to a place, and so we, but we had to renovate the building, so we had it all renovated. We had enough cash. You know, the church had enough cash to do all the renovations that we wanted to do or needed to do to build the classrooms out and everything, except we got to the end of the uh, remodel project, and we, the last thing we needed to do was put down the carpet. And, uh, and we didn't have any money left in the bank as the church account for the carpet. So we said, well, um, we said, well, let's, let's, uh, it was a funny thing because we pu actually pulled up the old carpet. Because what, what? Faith gets ready. Faith gets ready. So we started pulling up the old carpet and we didn't have time to, to get the glue off the floor. Remember, you know, these, these floors are often glued down. So when you pull up the floor, there's often glue there. Well, we didn't have time before the next service to get the glue all off the floor. And so we were trying to make little places for people to walk on, on things we put on the floor. And, but if you got off of that, that little pad, you were gonna, you were gonna get your, your feet were going to stick to the floor. <laughs> and we made a joke out of it. If you come to our church, you're going to stick, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so we were believing God for carpet. There was a, there was a, a service where a young lady came, and she was... Uh, we didn't know her. She was a visitor. Well, well, I didn't think I knew her. I didn't recognize her. But after the service, she said to some people in the back after the service, she said, I hear you're needing some carpet. And of course, you can see we need some carpet. <laughs> but uh, she said, uh, how much do they need? And somebody told her, I wasn't even there, but somebody told her they need $16,000 to finish this carpet here. And she said, oh, okay. And she just got out her checkbook and wrote out the check for $16,000. And they brought the check to me and they said, what do we do with this? I said, put it in the church bank account, you know, we're going to buy carpet. And so, but anyway, I went and greeted her and thanked her. And I said, and she said, you don't recognize me, do you? I said, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm sorry. She's maybe, what, 25 years old, something like that, young lady. And uh, so I said, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. She said, do you remember probably seven or eight years ago, you were preaching in a church. This, we weren't pastoring then. We were just traveling ministry. You were preaching in a church south of here, uh, about 30 minutes or so, 30, 40 minutes. And, uh, and God in that service moved, and you had a, a manifestation of the word of knowledge, which is a gift of the Spirit in the New Testament, to where supernaturally you knew what we were going through, and you ministered to us. I said, well, remind me. And she said, you said by the Holy Spirit, God shows me that you're in an uh, insurance settlement issue that the money is fraudulently being kept from you. I said, I remember that. She said, my, me and my mom were sitting there. Now, this had been seven or eight years ago. So, you know, people, as they grow up, especially younger people, they grow up, they might not recognize them quite the same. So I hadn't recognized her. So, but she's there visiting the church service. And she said, you ministered to us by the Holy Spirit and said, that money's coming in. I break the power of the devil trying to hold that money from you. Well, I knew nothing in the natural. I never met him before. But the Holy Spirit knew about it. And he ministered. And she said there in the service when she gave the money for our carpet, she said, that insurance, just like you ministered to us, that insurance money was settled. And I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And whenever I heard you had a need, I wanted to help the church. Because, of, because I thought to myself, all the way back there, when we had no idea we were going to have a need financially, God was already working that situation out. He loves me, He loves me, He loves me. <laughs> and He loves you just the same. Let's all stand to our feet. I believe you ought to throw your own arms around yourself and say, He loves me, He loves me, He loves me. What that means is he's already seeing needs before they come up in your life and provided for them. Father, we're so thankful for your word. It opens our eyes to see who you really are. We thank you for the privilege, Father, of walking with you. You are, you are so good to us. Every one of us, you have made a plan for every situation that comes up. There's a way out. Hallelujah. Thank you for your great care. It's, it's care beyond what we can even imagine because you know things that we don't know. You see things coming that we don't even see coming. Father, if we're led by your Spirit, you'll guide us right into the need, uh, the supply that meets the need. We thank you for it, Father. 
We thank you, Father God, that not a single one of us, uh, that the enemy is able to take us out because of what we see in your word this morning. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. We give you all the praise. Lift your hands, if you would, and just give him thanks from your heart, from your heart to your Father. Hallelujah. We worship you this morning. Father, we thank you for teaching us how to follow your spirit into these divine setups. We know that you are able to take us into these things. We receive it by our faith. In Jesus' name. As you lead us, we'll trust you. When we have that peace in our spirit about which way to go, we'll trust you, knowing that every need is met as we follow you. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise. We know that in advance because we know you've been ahead of us. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone that agreed said,